0: Report shows that the Inquisitorial Band have engaged with the Xenos Predators of Tren and found survivors. Lyric was struck down by monster cats and is in critical condition. Alto is terrified, and Valentine found survivors who only suffered light wounds. Can the band keep Lyric alive and find a way off-world? Find out next, in this episode of The Valentine Heresy.
1: From a purchase order for Galen's Garden on the planet Tren in System... Galen's Excellence, currently known as B83. Med kits? Why would we need that many med kits? We need lunch boxes. Kids like lunch boxes, they don't care about med kits. Um. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lyric It is getting harder to focus on on just the pain. Um, but every so often, you think you can hear uh, dear sweet Alto's worried voice. And you know this kid's expiry date is like probably a few hours from yours, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like left to his own devices. This is, this is how it goes down. <laughs> and um, in this kind of void, um, you remember uh, one of Kel's harder lessons which was just um, was one of the days where she was looking a bit rough. It was not long before um, she was clearly kind of past her prime as a as a bounty hunter. Um, and uh, even though she she still would disappear for mysterious jobs, which you now understand were for the Inquisition, uh, as well as other imperial contracts. Um, there there comes a moment, and it's it's true of dancers. Um, it's true of fighters. Where you realize that even though your brain still has it and you still know the moves, you just your body's starting to break down. This is like particularly bad for like ballet dancers, where they're just like, "Oh no, okay, nope, it's over." Like up and over, um, or for boxers where the, suddenly they're going down a lot more. And for her, you could tell that she'd realized that it wouldn't take much. She had to be extra good um, in order to stay up. And as it turned out, it wasn't really her fault when she died. It was more, uh, how to put this politely, yours. Um, but she was explaining one day as she was trying to pop, um, a a dislocated finger back into its socket, (laughs) um, that there comes a point where it doesn't really matter how tough you are, you're going to go, you're going to lose. Everyone loses someday and that's how fights work. And that's fine if it's just you, but the minute you have someone relying on you, it means something else, uh... To die. And she says this is one of the few times that for the way you and she talked that she actually this is about as emotional as she got with you uh, other than like anger. But you could tell that she was trying to impart to you how scared she was uh, about what would happen to the two of you Mm. when she died. Um, And that now that she was starting to see the reality of that encroaching. She was in a way kind of trying to justify the, the additional harshness to her training for you. Um, and I think as someone who, generally speaking, has never really considered that there's a fight she could lose, um, it, was a, it was a harsh lesson, um, but also one that came into stark contrast when you became Alto's kind of soul protector. So even though the pain is fading as your consciousness is, um, you still hear the sound of his voice and it scares you enough. Uh, to stay alive. Um, Alto, you're looking down at your sister who is um, incredibly pale. And it's actually one of the first times that you can remember um, that she actually looks at peace. Um, her, her face, there's no tension to her face or her shoulders or her muscles. And it, it looks bad on her. Yeah. Um, it It's, it's like someone stretched a skin suit, like an egg suit. I don't know why we're on Men in Black today, but we are, um, <laughs> over her skeleton. It just, it doesn't, it almost looks like a mask.
2: Yeah, Lyric scowls in her sleep. Like, this is- Yeah, this 100%. Yeah.
1: Like, like, I'm pretty sure, like, her teeth are flat from the grinding. Um, <laughs> yes. But instead, it's, it's there's something, I think, so horrible to someone being fully limp. Yeah. And just the fact yeah. that she's, she's completely uh, out. Um, Lyric, what do you think is going through your head right now? Uh, oh, sorry, uh, uh, Alto. Sorry, I met Alto. Oh, sorry. You both picked okay. music names. Uh, I know it's going through Lyric's head. I just told her. Uh, Alto, <laughs>
2: what's it's going through your head. Um, uh, I think Alto blames himself. Um, I think Lyric said he shouldn't have gone ahead, right? He's dwelling on that. Um, and then he did, and he got pinned, and she tried to save him. And paid for it, and he couldn't save her. So I think he's just really internalizing that series of events and really blaming himself. I think out loud, um, you know, lyric hearing alto's voice is he's just saying like "I'm sorry," over and over again, and just like "Please don't die," <laughs> just constantly, yeah, just like over her being like I- "I'm sorry, lyric. I'm so sorry. Please hold on. Please, it's going to be okay. I'm so sorry." Just over and over again. Cool. Um,
1: so in the front seat um, with uh, Vegada um, Valentine, um, you size this guy up, and while he certainly seems to be wearing um, Arbides' armor, um, or at least remnants of it, um, there's nothing in his tone or demeanor that screams uh, Adeptus Arbides to you. Um, it almost, and generally speaking, those kind of guys are a type, and this is not the type. Uh, you get almost a sense of pageantry, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's got, um, as you've been talking, he's got some of the li- lingo down, but um, as I think we've, we've determined, uh, discussed, like there are a lot of very sacred things in, in the 40K universe uh, and there's a lot of sort of sacred concepts and he seems to be able to pay lip service to them, but doesn't quite seem to, to have the fervor that usually follows them. Like, you know, he talks about the emperor, but he doesn't talk about the emperor the way you should talk about the emperor. Um, and, uh, the fact that he doesn't really know anything about the Inquisition is strange. He is, he has fully, like, committed himself to the, to your orders. Like, there's, that's not a question, but there's something off about all of this.
3: Yeah, uh, we probably don't need to spend a half hour role-playing this, but if we want to deal with the idea of the conversation, I think where, uh, valentine would be going is he'd start asking about like what happened with the world what happened with them because he'd mentioned that he didn't know it all Mm -hmm. uh and at the same time he'd be trying to pick up information and see what doesn't check out Mm -hmm. because if there's something off there might even be something off within this story he's kind of always got a danger sense which is like meeting people on a world there are weird aliens that shouldn't be here something is wrong i need to leave
1: can you roll me? Um, I think I'd say this is probably either a vigilance or a perception. I'll
3: go with perception because I am much better at that. Unsurprisingly, as an interrogator turned inquisitor, I thought he might be good at perception.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, um, that's huh. tracks. That tracks for me too. Um, I'm going to say this is a uh, just a one purple, um, largely because I don't think. He's, you don't get the sense he's being duplicitous at all. Um, mm-hmm. He's given it to you pretty straight. That said, um, due to the strangeness of it and the post-combat shock, I'm going to spend a story point to up that. Uh, so we're now sitting at three and three. Uh, so it'll be a one red.
3: Sorry, you're saying it's two purple, one red? Uh, no, sorry. I'm saying it's uh, straight up one
1: one red. That's oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear on that. Um, it's he's not being duplicitous, so it's just, it's, it, yeah, it's having a hard time sorting it. In fact, like it, it's weirdly one of those things that only really has difficulty because you're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, and it's one of those things where like also there's always a chance that like if something evil is happening, he doesn't know. So it's oh, a lot of like things within things. Yeah, uh, I've right. got one success and three advantage.
1: Oh, okay, fantastic. Um, so, um, Vegata explains that um, Galen's Garden was built as a uh, a nature preserve um, and kind of tourist destination here on Tren, um, and that the the goal was to create a place where um, the 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 rest of the people in um, uh, the Galen sector would be able to come and, or the system rather, not sector, the Galen system uh, would be able to come and kind of uh, see the the, the wondrous uh, things uh, that Administratum uh, Tremaine was studying. And um, it seems to you from this, um, Tremaine was likely a low-grade heretic um, in the way that a lot of, this is pretty common in the Imperium because it just is so vast that there's all sorts of weird, like, local magistrates and other people who have fairly heretical ideas. In this particular instance, uh, Tremayne was clearly enamored of the Xenos, which is something that is uh, generally frowned upon by the Imperium. Um, Valentine, I don't know that you have any particular, like, specific personal issues with the Xenos as much. Um You're kind Um, of a a, more of
3: a chaos guy, right? Well, yeah, I think he would have been Ordo Malleus with like his knowledge and what's going on, which means he's specifically like demon hunter, demon cult hunter, like that kind of thing. He's more concerned with with heresy and direct traitors. He'd be aware of Xenos and aware of the Hereticus. Like he's not totally clueless. I don't think he has a particular like hard on for alien hunting other than by due course, kill them all and kill people who deal with them. But sometimes they can be useful. You might need to have a conversation. You might need to make a trade.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, the sort of shades of gray I kind of like that 40K often dodges uh, in sort of the broad strokes, but a lot of the, the sort of smaller books and writers have talked about is just the idea that, like, uh, yes, the edict is kill all the Xenos, but that's also so broad that I think it's like, I mean... They're aliens, they're out there doing their thing. It's not the same as summoning demons from the warp plane that will also fuck up aliens. Like,
3: Yeah, I, I think, think he'd be like, ALDari and their various factions are all sort of like respected enemies, like sort of with the Tau. There's like a truce there, kill him if you can, but if he, you might be able to use him. Orcs yep. are just too dumb to deal with, so they're literally just like a weird plague. Necrons to the death. Sure, like there'd yeah. be... Tyranids to the death, but yeah. I
1: think it was more specifically meaning things like uh, the Eldar, where it's just kind of like, ah, I mean, chaos fucks up those Xenos. So, like, I think in your hierarchy it's like, chaos the worst, Xenos, like, maybe bad, but, like, also they can be corrupted by chaos, ergo chaos.
3: Yeah, take them oh. out, but really enemy of my enemy can exactly. be my friend. Right, yeah.
1: So we'll leave that as the baseline. I just wanted to kind of set that early um, because, you know, it's always want to make sure that we're we're— uh playing interesting side areas of the incredibly rigid Imperium dogma that none of us would want to live as humans uh, in the real world so cool right <laughs> um, so uh, Tremaine sounds vaguely heretical in that he clearly saw value in the xenos um, that uh, you I think can also kind of appreciate from a practical value uh, that said the idea of a, a zoo or a, like a nature preserve is is like a tremendously bizarre luxury. Um, because, like, why would you spend resources on this? What? Yeah, he'd
3: be an interesting guy to have dinner with, followed by shooting him in the head. Yeah, yeah, Uh, that sounds about right. Um, So, um, anyway,
1: uh, when the asteroid impacted and the uh, planet was knocked off course, it had been planned for, it didn't take out the dome. Like, everything was actually done pretty cleverly. Um, But as you know, the continued incursions and everything else occurred and contact was cut off gradually, similar to Galen's glory back on Vermeer, people just stopped with the upkeep. Um, they weren't receiving supplies anymore. Ships weren't arriving anymore. Um, uh, they were holding up okay until the verdict came down uh, from the Lords of Terra and uh, the, the original um, Adeptus Arbides uh, showed up. So the uh, original guy um, was uh, known as, um, uh, da, 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 da. Ooh, nope, none of those names work. Um, uh, we'll say, um, uh, Vigo Tala. Okay. And, um, when Vigo arrived, um, it was with kind of the authority of the Imperium to uh, execute uh, Phyllis Tremaine for heresy. Um, and for um, what the Lords of Terra had caught wind of was uh, experimentation with Xenos. Um, so uh, Tala hunted uh, and Tremaine deep into the, the nature preserve, and by all accounts, based on what uh, the remaining survivors on on Trend say, um, Vigo returned uh, victorious, having killed Tremaine. Um, but in the process, the dome was heavily damaged. Uh, the creatures were set loose, and uh, soon uh, the dome itself collapsed, and chaos reigned. So the people of Trend now are the descendants of those who lived, who were basically staff. Um, and some of the early visitors to Galen's garden. And um, what you find with your dice roll there is uh, that uh, Horatio Vegata is the inheritor of the title of uh, arbitrator, which you realize now they're basically handing down as a mantle um, because with the death of the administratum, he, the, whoever hold like the arbitrator has basically become the leader and defender of these people because he showed up and killed their system. So he's the system now. Um, so he is, uh, he is like, a uh, several generations removed, um, from, uh, from thing and from the sounds of things, it's uh, almost like the Mandalorian culture. It's like, um, you earn, you train under the previous arbitrator and then you earn the title. Um, but suddenly a lot of his uh, uh, verbiage and stuff starts to make sense because this is a guy who is aping what he has heard previously. And it's become an oral tradition. It's not – he didn't train as an Arbides. He has been taught by the you know, apprentice to the 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 apprentice of an Arbides. Um, but, uh, yeah, it sounds like there is um, a, a small kind of community uh, that lives on this planet. Um, they are again the descendants of the people who lived there before, um, and they've all dr- dreamt of leaving. And um, Vagad gets particularly excited when he, he hits this, and he says, "You know, the uh, the arbitrator ship was uh, was badly damaged uh, uh, upon its arrival. Um, the uh, the asteroid uh, uh, incident uh, was; uh, they were still feeling the effects, and his trajectories were off. But if you ha- if you have parts, we we might actually be able to fix it. We might actually be able to finally leave."
3: Well, that does sound excellent, and that is overall our plan. But of course, first step one, we need save to your friend, receive Absolutely. medical care. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs>
1: um, and then step two, we get the fuck out of here. Sorry, fuck is a local term to
3: this system. I don't know if uh, you've encountered it. Uh, I've either. heard some of it. Mr. I've heard Inquisitor. it's positive or negative on another world, and has a variety of meanings. Excellent.
1: Uh, do you have a, 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 a? Should I be calling you Sir Inquisitor, Mister Inquisitor, Lord Inquisitor, Inquisitor Esquire? Ah, Lord Inquisitor would be fine. Okay, well, thank you, Lord Inquisitor. Um, And um, welcome to our village of uh, Visitor Center. And um, he pulls the Jeep up in front of a uh, massive visitor center from Jurassic Park that exists on this planet. Um, So, like, a big kind of domed uh, building. Um, Big epic stairs, um, but in horrible disrepair. So, like, it's, you know, the dome is a bit cracked, but you can see it's been patched. Um, largely with with sort of vines and and other things, snow banks up on either side um, and uh, sort of central doors. So he he runs up ahead and kind of like pounds on the door uh, and yells a code phrase. Uh, The doors open and people in um, uh, sort of um, bright pink Hawaiian shirts uh, come rushing out. um, And um, you can see that weirdly they're like, they're pink Hawaiian shirts to, like, the sleeve, and then the sleeve is, like, a green Hawaiian shirt. Um, and uh, they, they come rushing out, and uh, they all kind of pick Lyric up and start rushing her inside. Um, Alto, uh, do you stop them? Do you go with them? Uh, what's, what's your... Alto would go with them. Okay.
4: Yeah. I go with them, too.
3: Yeah, I think we'll say uh, the Inquisitor would follow as well, and he would probably, it would seem like a generous gesture to let Alto move faster, but he would take the bag of all the equipment for the shuttle, not trusting Alto to not, like, leave it somewhere or let someone steal it.
1: Sure. So someone else um, gets in the Jeep and, like, kind of drives it around away from the entrance, uh, and then just kind of as you look over your shoulder, Valentine, you see them sweeping up the tracks um, so that the the exterior looks uh, roughly untouched. Um, and you're brought inside the, um, the visitor center. Um, inside, it is uh, very much kind of a, almost like an ant colony style building. So like they've, they've built little um, sort of hovels and sheds and that sort of thing throughout. Mm. Um, if you play any of the Fallout games, it's, uh, I think it's Fallout 3, you go inside a museum and it's just, they turned every room into its own little kind of house um, or store. And that's kind of the vibe. Um, they've they've it doesn't it no longer what the outside might look like it's still kind of somewhat what it was inside. It's very much like a, a shanty town. Um, so Lyric is rushed to uh, the infirmary. Um, and uh, as you come up, there's um, a woman um, who uh, she's uh, think like if Viola Davis had like a tremendously bad few years. So um, just, like, she, she's clearly tired, like, just really kind of haggard, um, still that sense of, like, command and presence, um, but clearly basically an overworked doctor. Um, and uh, she's got um, a massive, um, badly installed optical implant, um, so, like, a giant red um, eye um, and is uh, smoking uh, like an old-timey 1930s cartoon cigar um, that's clearly hand-rolled, and the stench of this thing is just fucking horrific um, because there's definitely no no tobacco here. So you're not sure what she's put in there, but it's clearly some kind of local plant. Um, and as uh, as you come in, um, she kind of rises on uh, a robotic leg that seems too long for her. And, uh, so she kind of walks with a, a, a bit of a, like a slightly off kilter and, uh, she goes, oh, wow. She's still breathing. And she just takes a long drag off the cigar.
2: Uh, I, I think so.
1: I, I hope so. Yeah, oh, that's a pretty good start. Uh, and then she just pierces the cigar on like a hook on the wall and um, kind of like hoists Lyric up onto a table um, and starts to like adjust the eye and immediately just starts calling for like various things. And people in Hawaiian shirts are like rushing forward and, and giving her <laughs> stuff. Um, she's wearing um, um, a heavy uh, apron uh, that seems to be made of um, what you would assume to be callip leather. Um, but underneath she is also wearing a giant pink Hawaiian shirt. Um, so she starts uh, starts going to work um, Alter, do you try and stay in help or are you content to just leave the uh, the doctor
2: to her work? I try to stay in help um, because just the overall, like, oeuvre he's getting does not necessarily inspire confidence mm-hmm. in, in their does, prowess. Um, uh, Lyric, forgive me. Do you have implants of any sort? No. Okay.
4: Oh, natural.
1: So they look... Um, you can actually see that uh, the doctor seems confused as she kind of like um looks uh lyric over um kind of quickly. And then she she looks up at you alto and uh, she's like uh well I was gonna ask you if uh if you're set to inherit any of her gear, but it looks like you've got the gear and, and she doesn't, so um, yeah, no no parts. She's all natural, yeah. That's uh, um it's very strange down here. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I'm sorry that your your parents couldn't uh, leave you more. That's that's a tough that's a tough racket. And then she like leans over and puffs off the cigar on the hook and um, starts unstapling the staples. And she's like, the arbiter is many things, but a doctor he is not. Um, she starts like unpacking the wound.
4: Hello and well met, this is Sister Olianmina, I am recording this communique to humbly ask for your assistance. You need only to go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. For monthly tithes of merely $5, which I am told is an old Terran currency, you'll receive, besides of course, the blessings of the Emperor, which are priceless. You can also get exclusive weekly video communications, keeping you up-to-date on the inner workings of those behind-the-scenes who help keep the Inquisition's engines running, so to speak. Join us now at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That is spelled D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, and may you always walk in the light of the Emperor.
1: So, Alto, this is basically, um, weirdly, even though the, the circumstances are very different, um, it feels like kind of the backroom medicine that you remember from the Hive. Um, it's people who are clearly good at what they do, if not, you know, certainly not medical grade, but they they know their shit. Um, yeah. So, you know, she calls for boiled water. She starts, like, clearing the wounds and um, starts kind of uh,
2: going to work. Yeah. Um, what do you think you do? Um, if I'm asked to like hand tools or anything like that, I'm, sure. I'm there for that. Um, if they're using any kind of medical equipment that maybe after generations. Mm-hmm. Of being stranded at this resort has fallen into dis- disrepair. I think Alto would also be doing like on the fly repairs to like make sure it operates at like oh, optimal. Okay, I efficiency. like that a lot. Yeah. Just yeah, like yeah. that's how he helps.
1: Is yeah, like- no, that's fantastic. I like that a lot. Okay, so can you roll me a tech use then, please? Yeah. Um you see there is a uh, a disused um kind of like uh maybe we'll say probably like diagnostic like one of those big um like um what the fuck is the name the the beep beep machines um like a heart a heart rate monitor yeah kind of like just a big rig um that's sitting kind of disused in a corner you can tell that it's clearly kept up Mm -hmm. but it's
2: not functional uh yeah i'll 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 point to it and say like if i can get that running would that would that help would that make things easier uh, she gives
1: you that spectacular deadpan Viola Davis like Amanda Waller stare, and it's just yeah. like, "Yes, that would be tremendously helpful." It hasn't worked in two generations, but if you know how to get it working, we could save a lot of lives, maybe even hers. I think
2: at yes, he's like already looking like she's talking to the back of his head yeah, now, yeah. as he's like as he's like leaning into it and like starts to like she fry like off grabs, like the case, grabs and the
1: cigar and off the wall. She's like, "I see manners don't exist off world. That's good to know." Okay, um, and she goes back to work. Uh, Valentine, what are you doing doing during this?
3: Uh, I think Valentine would just like tap. Uh, Alto on the shoulder and remind him that he has a microbead so they can talk if anything develops, yeah, good or um, bad. Can
1: you uh, tell me what a microbead is? I think I have a general sense, but I'd like to know the specifics.
3: Yeah, so microbeads, they come in a variety of different forms, but essentially the idea is that it's a small short-wave radio that you can like either have in your ear, so it's like Bluetooth style, or it can be built into a collar, or it can be the like, wrist thing that the CIA uses. Yeah, use. I was going to say, do you have like,
1: to put your finger to your ear to give away that you're a cop every time you use it?
3: Depends on the microbead would be the short answer, so maybe. Uh, but I think it's, yeah, it's just a short-range communicator. So it would be used by teams that are, like, going into a building. It's got sort of, like, low-level, like, a SWAT team might use one. Gotcha. It's not yeah, going to yeah. help you long-range, but you could do, like, a road convoy or be in multiple floors of a building and theoretically check in, that kind of thing.
1: So it's a Metal Gear codec. I like it. <laughs>
3: Let's carry on. Yeah, uh, and I think after that, because this is just going to kind of go the way it does and it doesn't seem like anyone's openly evil uh he'd want to see the arbitrator ship uh and though he doesn't know a shitload about tech acri might and he knows he can't get alto to go with him so he'd probably take acri to go check out what's going on
1: so um Vegata takes you to kind of clearly his office um that uh you can tell again has been kind of passed down it was likely the um Uh, It would have been Tremaine's office back in the day. Um, So it's actually like kind of a nice thing. There's a a, a sort of a massive bay window that kind of looks out over over the jungle. Um, It's high up enough that you can get a bit of a view of kind of what's further west. Um, And kind of out the window, you can see um, the snowstorm is continuing, um, but uh, the visitor center seems to be kind of at the top of an incline. Um, So it kind of moves down into a valley. Uh, There seems to be like a tramway set up. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, in the very, very far distance, um, you can just kind of make out uh, almost like mountains, um, for us, like, uh, if you're like looking at mountains at, at distance, um, a sort of massive metallic structure that would likely be the, um, uh, the launch site. So, um, he, uh, he brings you over to, um, a, like a filing cabinet, and he just full-on pulls out, like, this big sheaf of paper. And he basically unfolds um, some diagrams. And they're actually pretty solid diagrams, all things considered. Um, and he kind of, like, um, tacks them up um, and uh, gestures to them. And, um, Valentine, what you realize is that the, the ship... So he explains that the ship is at the launch site uh, and that uh, the arbitrator, um, uh, Vigo, uh, dismantled the astral line so that uh, Tremaine couldn't escape. Um, but also dismantled his own ship, which was already pretty badly damaged. Unfortunately, during the battle with Tremaine, he lost the rest of the ship parts. So basically, without what you've brought, there's very little way to get this up and going, but it is a ways away. It will be a a proper voyage to get to it. All right. uh, Sorry. um, No, it's okay. uh, The diagrams are clearly the best they could do, but they were likely done like, either by the arbitrator or someone else. So for you, these are actually pretty solid. These are what you would draw. Uh, They've just been passed down and no one knows what to do with them. Sorry, go ahead.
3: Great. So um, I'd show it. I'd be like, I'm sorry, friend. This may seem a bit strange for you, but these things are required just a moment. Uh, And I just haul the weird, like, spinal head acri body and put it in a chair to look at the diagrams. And he just (laughs) just goes,
0: cool, a servo
3: skull. I've read about these. Not entirely. This is a servo skull. Uh, And he whistles, (laughs) and Eugene just flutters in. And he goes, Uh, a servo skull! I've
1: read about these! And then he just goes and like looks at it like a kid at a toy store.
3: All right, so, (laughs) Akira, if you could take a look at this here. Now, obviously, we've got two ships. We've got the arbitrators, which is broken, and we have uh, one that you might be more familiar with in terms of the astral line, which is also broken. Uh, My instinct would be, if we could repair the arbitrators, it sounds like it's probably more solid and better armed, but I don't know what would be possible... Here's a question just between you and I, new friend. what is the personnel capacity of either of
1: these ships? Um, so the astral line can take I think we said about thirty uh, and basically um, acri's like well i mean here's here's my professional diagnosis and like I'm not going to do it because it'll get annoying. But please do imagine that the voice is skipping constantly because, like the the the, like the voice box is terrible, and also that it sounds like a teeny 1930s radio Um, because I feel like you like ripped up a set of headsets and used that to build it. So it's really bad, bad voice.
3: Yeah, it's not good.
1: Um, But he's like, "Uh, so as as you determined from our less than uh, comfortable descent into this here planet. Uh, the astral line ships are truly meant to go from one place to t'other, not uh, necessarily go in different directions. Now, it sounds like uh, this uh, failure hunting isn't in this here system, so uh, that uh, it's possible with an astral line vessel. Um, but uh, you got two things to worry about: one, whatever sad sap motherfuckers plugged into that one might not be as uh, cool and accommodating as yours truly, and uh, Two, if uh, the Emperor's glory, or Emperor's hope, rather, was any indication, it might not survive a trip outside the system. These are glorified buses, so my money'd be on the arbitrator's ship. Now, I should warn you, those vessels are not built to hold many. They're built to hold the arbitrator, possibly a couple of buddies, and maybe some criminals. I only know because a couple pals of mine ended up in the back of one once, and they said it was a less than pleasant adventure. So... I would say that's your best bet, probably a solid vehicle for a uh, man such as yourself with a mission such as yours, and from an entirely personal perspective, I cannot wait to get my synapses on that ship. I uh, used to fly things much more similar to that back in my day, and I'd be happy to do it again.
3: Yes, that makes sense to me as well. Also, the arbitrator ship should be theoretically warp capable. We won't have a navigator, but perhaps that beacon set up in this system or area where we can do a series of shorter term jumps to get where we need to go. All right, so we need to repair that ship. And of course, thank you, Emperor. Love these, love these complications. Okay, so this is good. I'll take these. Um, Horatio, my friend. Uh, How are we going to get to the launch pad? And I hate to say this, but time is of the essence. So the moment my companion is ready to go, we will need to make immediate exit.
1: Oh, I I understand, uh, my Lord Inquisitor. Uh, I I must also say, please do not be uh, embarrassed about time being of the essence. Uh, My people have dreamed of leaving this hellhole since before any of us were born. So uh, we would also like to go. That would be great. Um the uh, absolute fastest way is uh, to take the tram we want to avoid the valley anyway um, the, uh, <clears throat> the former administrator um, had some interesting ideas uh, about the value of of the xenos uh, the uh, the calips we met were, were native to this planet so that's dope but um well he uh, he did some splicing uh, that's what got him in trouble with my uh, with my predecessor and as, as an arbitrator myself with me and he tries to look fierce but Mostly looks kind of sad. Um, so so uh, my, my bet would be uh, we, we take the tram as far as we can go to get us over, over the valley, and then uh, from there it's a straight shot through. Um, there's uh, We keep a couple vehicles on the other side just in, in case we need to go over there for parts. We salvaged some things from the ships over the years, but uh, based on uh, how advanced your vehicle looked and the fact that you have two servo skulls, I'm pretty sure uh,
3: you got the chops. All right, so another question here. How many colonists remain in this village that would be exiting the world in an ideal scenario? Um, there are... Uh, the current population count is 112. All right. So here's what I'm thinking, my friend. Uh, and I just, like, put Acri back in the bag, uh, and zip it up. I don't, want, I don't want him chiming in on this shit. Yep. So I'm thinking we should take an advance party of the experts, you know, the doctor, if you have someone who's the best with mechanics to assist yourself. Uh, and then, uh, we could go in advance, prepare the ship, prepare any other materials in the area, make sure everything was ready to go, and then bring the rest of the colonists over so that they could be not as exposed to the environment or any threats around the spaceport.
1: He, uh, he crosses his, his, like, his arms over his chest and um, looks, you know, like, cocks his head at a, an angle. He just leans in. He's like, you know, I, th- I think that's probably a pretty good idea, Lord Inquisitor. They're not professionals like
3: you and me. Exactly, we want to make sure they are as safe as they can possibly be before mm. we bring them into a new environment. So, I trust you, my friend. I trust you. Thank you, my Lord Inquisitor. And then and he, I... like, tries to do arm gestures
1: to salute you, but he doesn't really know what they are.
3: Yeah, and 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 I just, like, take the back of his arm and pull it a little forwards, and then I clasp his forearm, where it's, like, one arm of the forearm, I put his around mine, and then I shake it once, and then I release him. And I'm like, I'm going to count you as a member of my band, so... What I would like you to do is put together a list of, let's say, the five people you think would be of most use in either a combat scenario or if we were doing an insertion mission. So obviously there's a doctor, people like that, where if they were to be somewhere for a while, we don't know how long the repairs would take, they would be the ones who would keep the team alive.
1: Well, I mean, you're right. We would want a doctor because your friend's pretty hurt, but she looks kind of badass. So like, let's bring the doctor to keep her safe. That's a good idea. Yeah, doctor comes with us for sure. Um... Well, and you you you'll probably want um uh Heinrich the Seer um, cuz like he's real good. Um he's got he's got, you know, the sight, you know? He can he can see things before they happen.
3: All right. I won't say no to that at the gate. Uh, is there anyone else who's good with like repairing things or mechanics? Um yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um there's uh uh Billek. She's uh she's the best mechanic we've got. She uh I mean won't come as any surprise that our, our uh, vehicular stuff is getting a little bit rough these days, but uh, hell she's the one who keeps the
3: uh she's the one who manages to keep the tram running. All right. That sounds pretty good. And then we've got you. So is there is there anyone else you would suggest from this lovely village of yours that could be of use over a a slightly extended and
1: dangerous period of time. Well, I mean, you probably want—we'd uh, have to leave a couple fighters behind, but oh, of uh, course. you
3: probably want some of our our best shooters, right? Oh, agreed, absolutely. As you could see, as things went down with the cats, I really do require more uh, ranged and close combat specialists.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, okay. Well, obviously, we got to bring uh uh death Deathblower, um, the uh. It's, a, it's I, I know it probably sounds pretty quaint to, to uh, such a metropolitan spaceman like yourself, um, but uh, uh, the the title of, of Deathblower has been one that we've we've been passing down for uh, for for uh, generations. Um, once the ammo started running out, we got um, real good with uh, with dart weapons, and um, he's uh, he's
3: our top Deathblower. All right. So it gives us a hunter, a seer, a mechanic, a doctor, and an arbitrator. I feel like this is an excellent team to move forward with. All
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, do, we'll have to leave behind the professor, Marianne, uh, the skipper, but I think we've got a pretty good crew.
3: Yes. yes. At least do for a three-hour tour. Do any of them have any uh, immediate family that they would be worried about if they were to leave them, you know, behind here while they were away? You know, I children, mean, we spouses. we generally
1: we generally treat uh, the whole the, the sort of the, the the whole village as as uh, as family and uh, yeah you know people have partners and and you know siblings um, i think uh Phallox is the only one who has kids um, it's a uh, and he he looks like legitimately grim and all all mirth is kind of gone he's like it's um it's a hard life here we uh not
3: not many make it through
0: I understand. I understand.
3: All right. Well, if you want to notify those people that we'll be heading out once my companion has been treated, uh, then I can go down and see how that is progressing. Uh, okay, great.
1: I'll I'll spread the word secretly, and then he like reaches out, pulls your arm slightly closer, and then grasps it because he assumes that the pulling closer is part of it. Um, and he goes, "Lord Inquisitor,
3: Arbitrator. I will. I will just give him this
1: one." <laughs> and <laughs> Uh, like that classic gif of um, Christopher Reeve doing like the switch from Clark Kent to Superman where he just takes off the glasses and then just stands up two inches taller. Like, um, Vigato legitimately like stands up taller. And again, like even for for all the kind of quaintness of this, like he does seem very capable, just capable in a limited sense based on his circumstance. So he just kind of like smiles to you and and says, um, on it, Mr. Lordship, Ship, uh and then off he goes meanwhile um uh alto um can you go ahead and roll me that mecha- uh, tech use check please this is going to be um three purple just because it's very old and it's missing some parts um you get the sense that whenever they're done using something uh they repurpose it okay um so there's that. Um, obviously, take your, your double blue for Robo Arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you one more blue um, because um, uh, uh, Doctor, shit, what's her name going to be? Um, Laura. What's the doctor's name? Uh, Cleaver. Dr. Cleaver, uh, which is also a hereditary name um, because there's only one Cleaver and it's mostly used for amputations. Uh, Dr. Cleaver clearly keeps a pretty clean um, clean house. Um, so she's kept it. Even though it's not in working order, it's still like you're surprised to find it's oiled. Um, it's, there's no dirt on it. It's just non-functional. Um, and I'm going to give you one setback dice because this is ancient tech. Compared to what you're used to looking at.
2: Okay, I want to see if I get anything for repairing. Uh, it's repairing a vehicle, so we won't apply that. Um, I'll okay. I'll let you apply that. Okay, so uh, I'm like, using my resourceful mechanic. Um, yeah, that's this is.
1: If there's ever been a time for a resourceful mechanic. <laughs> <you're> like <laughs> fixing True. ancient medical
2: tech to save your sister's life is probably. So the way it translates is you repair one additional system strain or hull trauma per rank in this skill. So I don't know if you want to, in this case, just infer that as one success added to whatever the total is or an advantage or... um,
1: How many... What's what's your pool looking like right now?
2: My pool right now is three yellow, three purple, three blue.
1: Okay, then we'll count it as one extra success. I was going to give you uh, an upgrade from a... A yellow to or green to a yellow, but you're out of green, so yeah, we'll go with that. Or actually, let's
2: add one green. Okay, Hmm. okay, I'm ready to roll. Okay, go ahead. Man, even with the odds stacked in my favor, only one success, six advantages. (laughs) Damn. Um, I had four okay. failures and they all had to get wiped out and I was left with one success after. I oh, mean that oh.
1: still does mean you succeed at, at yeah. your action like it's 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 just by, like by degrees. I know. And I know.
2: sometimes <laughs> you think you're you think you're in the clear but only this much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but your small success was so efficient.
2: Yeah. 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 Okay, <laughs> uh Tyler I tell you what. Um if A small you... success was plugging it back in, there was actually nothing wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It just um, you save so much time. Yeah. If you're willing,
1: <clears throat> uh, I'll say get get it up, uh, back up and running. Um, if you're willing to spend um, four strain, um, I'll say it's up and running in like peak condition. If you don't, it's still good, it just won't add as much of an advantage to, um, Doc Cleaver's uh medicine check.
2: I've already added the four strain, rock yeah. and roll.
1: So um, to Ryan's point about plugging it back in, you get it up and running, but like it's running on essentially like if these were batteries from the late nineties, early two thousands and they had weird strips on the side that would tell you how much power was left in them. That never really worked. Yeah. Um, it's, you can tell that these batteries are functional, but low. Um, Cause there just isn't power in this building. Everything's, you know, fire. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you, you jack in and um, it's, essentially using your body as a battery to just give this thing the extra boost. Okay. Um, and you notice Doc Cleaver give you, like, um, a very appraising look. Uh, like, she's kind of made a decision about you. Um, and she's impressed. And then she yells to the two people in Hawaiian shirts um, to, like, wield a machine closer as your eyes, I think, kind of, like, flicker back up into your head as you're basically letting it sap you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, suddenly, like, the diagnostics come up. Um, and you see her eyes just go wide and go, by the Emperor, the things we can do with this much information. Um, and she's going to go to work on Lyric. Um, so Lyric, in kind of this this weird um, space you're drifting in and out of, um, a man approaches. And um, he is... Um, think like uh, an early 90s Howie Mandel type so like kind of big frizzy hair uh, generally pleasant looking um, but also just like his eyes are like a little manic Um, and uh, he's doing the the Mark Ruffalo thing from uh, Avengers where he's just kind of like running his hands along his arms Um, and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt naturally and uh, he just says oh um, who 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 are you
4: the fuck do you care?
1: <laughs> um, he seems to consider that for a minute, and he's like, well, oh, that's a... It's not a bad question, actually. It's just, um... Well, it's... I, I haven't seen anyone else, you know, in, in, in here since since I was a kid.
2: In, in where? I, I look around me, like, what what else is there?
1: I mean, again, you're in this weird kind of, like, drifting in and out space. Yeah. It, it's... it's Like, in D&D, we often, like, in not in actual D&D, but, like, in our D&D, we call this, like, the Mind Palace a lot. But, like, it's it really is kind of, like, that weird, liminal, um, like, fucking Stranger Things upside down when Eleven is in the tube space where it's just, like, pure black, stark light. If Brian Fuller was directing it, it's cool. It's where he goes to have his designs, et cetera. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. So uh, he's like, well, um, it's just... uh, i i'm the only one like me here uh at least in, what since, do you mean like you what do
0: you, what do you
4: what do you, oh, you like well,
1: with with the site you've got the site you can see this right yeah yeah so you've uh <laughs> you've got powers welcome to the club it sucks
4: wait i thought I'd just like see the get to like see the future maybe or something
1: i mean that the can fuck be part is this uh, well, it's, it's hard to explain. Um, look, I only know what's, what's been told to me and, uh, well, oh, you probably don't know where you are. Cause you're, you, I, I mean, are you, are you awake? Are you dead? Who are you?
4: I'm like half and half.
1: Oh, that sucks. That really sucks. I'm sorry. Mm. Death kind of icks me out though. So I think I'm going to go, but like, if you wake up, you should find me.
4: Wait, what's your name?
1: Uh, my name's uh Heinrich, the seer. Good luck, I guess. If you see my aunt, uh, tell her I miss her.
4: Well, who the fuck's your aunt?
1: And then he just disappears, um, fucking and... Fucking,
4: give me enough fucking information.
1: Um, Alto, you're shocked to hear lyrics say this out loud, um... And um, as you kind of um, rush to her side uh, you see kind of her eyes start to to flutter open a little bit.
2: Lyric? Lyric, it's Alto.
1: Can you hear me? Can I? (laughs) (laughs) You can.
2: It's
4: like, yeah, no fucking thanks to you and that fucking idiot.
2: Oh, she's back. (laughs) And
1: for a moment, all is right in the world. And that's when Doc Cleaver brings her namesake down on your leg.
0: This episode of the Valentine Heresy features Ryan Laplante, at the on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Alto, Laura Hamstra at El on Twitter as Lyric, and our game master Tom McGee at McGee TD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresies artwork was created by Del Borovic at delborovic.com. D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, and most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, and death to all the heretics.
3: Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half Blind Prophet, James Quayar, DM Rob, Christopher Little, Olin Anderson, Sue One, Devin Boyce, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Anthony Griffin, and Jill and Noel If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon, too, at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you.
4: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
3: Sure I can't get you a drink?
1: Uh, I, um...
4: They'd had a moment, hadn't they? That afternoon when Garrett had... Mild, just like this, warm-eyed and amused in a way that made Tony want another cigarette, but also want to step forward and... Hey
1: Kate, what are you writing? Ah!
4: New text post on Thursday, May 21st. Title, why you should be watching Selkirk. So Selkirk fandom, who wants to read my 5000 word essay Garrett last name? Secret werewolf I'm Kate By the way They kiss? I think I lucked out when I found Selkirk Because if I'd loved something else I would have made friends And I would have been able to read a ton Of great stories But This way I met you me and Day You, a new story about love and fandom from the Procyon Podcast Network.